0: Lamenting the Leafs. My name is Cameron McAffron, joined by Nick Richard, and we are once again short our resident cool guy, Keith Whipple. But uh, we've got a treat for you this week. Uh, we have heard you, we listen to the people, and we have doubled the Nick content on this episode of the pod. We, we've got ourselves a regular cam sandwich here. Uh, Nick Bard from the Leafs Nation just finished covering Maple Leafs Development Camp, so... We're going to shake him down for a few insights. Nick, thanks for taking the
1: time to join us here. Thank you for having me. What's a cam sandwich?
0: Yeah, I was just gonna say how do you feel about uh, me referring to us as a cam see, it's gotta be a cam sandwich. It can't be a like usually people would call it a Nick sandwich, but that's like that's We're only the if bread you-
2: here, right? Yeah, oh. yeah, that's if you call every sandwich a
1: bread sandwich, right? You don't call it a bread sandwich, so it's gotta be a cam
0: sandwich. We're off to a blazing start here.
1: <laughs> I'm sitting here looking at the Discord and, and I'm like, Oh, now I know what cam sandwich means. <laughs> that's me,
0: baby. Um so Nick you you just uh, spent a week at uh, the Maple Leaf's development camp um obviously you know an exciting time for us hockey starved folks here after a few weeks of, of nothing with the the playoffs and the rear view and and we're just desperate for something nick so so what uh what was your big takeaway from from the week was there anyone who really stood out or, or just any thoughts kind of overall from uh from what you saw
1: there wasn't a lot to really take away like i i wouldn't say there were players that really really stood out i mean aside from the ones that were drafted like fraser minton he looked pretty good um matthew nyes looked like the best player of the bunch um ty voight looked good just i'd say all of the regular people who you'd expect to be good were good then if, if you want to talk about maybe a few that didn't or sorry, that did have good showings that weren't on contracts or weren't drafted. I mean, the Jackson Twins, they looked really good. Um, They seemed to have a twin telepathy on the ice to know where each other are at all times. And they're like the same player, but they're not at the same time. Like Dylan's a right shot, Ty's a left shot. They're both very small, but both very good. And they would not... You would not think that their size would really matter because they're so strong. Uh, another player that stood out to me was Matthew de Saint Foul. I'm pretty sure I, hopefully, am <laughs> pronouncing his name right. Um, he he looked really good. He played with Matthew Nyes a little bit too, and I really liked how he played. And then I believe on the last or the second last day of camp, the Thursday before the Friday scrimmage, he uh, left the ice with what looked like a shoulder injury or something like that. So he didn't get to play in the last scrimmage, which is unfortunate. But he was another guy that caught my eye. But again, it it was pretty much the main guys that you'd expect. And then I'd say those three guys, if there was anyone that... Maybe you didn't expect to stand out and did.
2: It, getting back to some of those top guys, you mentioned Matthew Nyes and how he kind of stood out as the best player on the ice, as a lot of people would have expected and and hoped for. Frankly, uh, do you th- think that it was purely a matter of him just being physically dominant, or were there other aspects uh, of the way that he played that really stood out to you?
1: Uh, I I'd say the big thing is he's physically dominant. Like I, I remember standing at the glass one day and a few reporters who cover the Leafs were like, he looks like he could play in an NHL lineup tomorrow. So I think that was a big thing. Like he's a big guy. He's big off the ice. He's big on the ice. Um, one of the things that stood out to me early on, maybe the first day was his stamina. And he didn't look like he had a lot in him. Like he would maybe throughout a season. I I, I believe, I don't remember when his season ended, but he probably did have a little break in there, and he hasn't really played a lot of games since then, or pro- he hasn't played any games. But it, it was going to be hard for him to come into this camp and really show, I think, with a st- if he had the stamina, he'd probably, you'd say, would be the best of the best. But with his stamina limited, I think he didn't look as good as he should. But he still looked really good. He still dominated. He still did everything right. Um, he didn't get, I, I believe, he didn't get a point in either of the scrimmages. He got a lot of chances, but he just, it, it didn't look like it was going his way out there. The first scrimmage, I think he was trying to do a little too much. I, I believe it was me, I think, who asked him about the pressure of coming in and being that top prospect and being that prospect i guess that you could say that was sort of put on a pedestal at the trade deadline when a lot of fans were like sign him sign him sign him and get him to play in the bottom or top six or wherever he can be an important player i I think one of the things that i took away from camp with him is that he's should not be on that top pedestal like he's again he's 20 years old He's not going to come into a league like the NHL where it's the best of the best players and make an immediate impact, in my opinion. Like, he could, but at the same time, I don't think he's a player that's going to be a very, very, very important player. Like, you have Austin Matthews, you have Mitch Marner. You have a lot of those guys already, and I believe Haley Wickenheiser said it too. Like, he may be the top guy at the camp, but... In the NHL, it's going to be a whole different game because there's already the top players on the team, and he's not going to be that. So I think one of the things that people have to do is sort of damper their expectations a little bit. I'm not saying he's not going to be good, but at the same time, the poor guy, if he comes into uh, the Leafs team uh, next March and doesn't perform or doesn't play as good as people think, he's going to get... A lot of people aren't going to like him. So that that's a long answer. But there were a lot of good things. His shot is really good. His skating, he, he needs to probably get better at that. But it's, it, again, it's still good. He's the Leafs' top prospect. At one point, after one of the development days, I believe, he had four Leafs development staff players working with him. And he was the only one on the ice. So if that doesn't show you that the Leafs are very high on him, Um, Then I don't know what does. Um, But again, yeah, he's big, he's strong. He really wants to be a two-way player. And I I think that's going to be one of the things that he pushes to be in college. He already was that. But to get better at everything else and to make himself a much more complete player when he gets to the NHL is going to be a big thing for him. He did everything right at camp. He just, I, I think at some points although he says he loves the pressure I'm sure the pressure would get to him especially being the top player at camp and it it did get to him on the first half of the scrimmage in the first game I think the second one though it was him playing really good it was just not getting his bounces, and I think I think there's a lot there for him as a prospect it's just going to be interesting to see when he comes out of college what type of player he can be with the Leafs but Overall, it's such a long answer, but he was really good in pretty much every area that you'd expect him to be in. And it's unfortunate that he didn't perform and he didn't show how good he could be. But in the development days when he was doing drills, he was dominating players. I, I think Joshua Cloak, had a video on one of the first days. Oh yeah he and did. And they were like Oh yeah he did. <laughs> <laughs> and that was he he was dominating and people were like oh Matthew Nyes is going to be better than Uri Slavkovski. I think that's that's where <laughs> you gotta damper the expectations because he's probably not going to be that we I assume he's not going to be that but again he was dominant. He just didn't show out in scrimmages and that's Although you can evaluate a player on that, you also can't because it's essentially two games. So I'd say he was really good.
0: <laughs> All right. No, that that's good insight, Nick. I appreciate that because uh, I mean, yeah, from those video clips, you you would kind of just think that he you know he dominated dominated everything. But yeah, if you're saying that you know you would like to see him maybe perform a little bit better in, in the actual scrimmages, like that's that's an interesting piece of context because like it, it's it's a lot like uh, like you know this development stuff is a lot like you know like the NBA summer league in the sense that you're not going to find out who can play, but you might find out who can't. Right? Like it's um, it, so it's good that you know he's he's dominating in in um, in in. in drills but yeah you know you gotta you gotta show that you can that you're kind of not just um you know getting by in your physical tools and uh you know that's got to translate against much bigger and stronger players so yeah it's it's obviously you know there's still a ways to go and and the game speed is going to be a big thing for him too i I would think when when the time finally comes but yeah i mean like you you kind of alluded to the 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 expectations are, are really um they're kind of spinning out of control a little bit. And I can only imagine where they're going to be by the time March rolls around if he improves on, on, you know, the campaign he had last year in in Minnesota, right? So, it's going to be interesting to follow uh, this year for him, definitely.
1: Yeah, and I mean, he he is, like, you can see everything, his physical abilities. You can see it all there. It's just he needs to get in my opinion, just a little bit further in all that, just a little bit further in his skating, and then he might be the player that people will think he is. He, he might be a little bit less of that player because, again, I think some are glamorizing the type of player they might think he is, and in reality, um, he might not be. But again, I, like you said too, he dominates... In drills, and again, it's it's different in scrimmages because again, too, like these guys who are coming to the Leafs development camp, they're not they're not bad players, and it's a lot different. I remember somebody said it, I can't remember who, that, it, but it's different than the OHL because the OHL isn't all of these good players coming to one camp. It's just you have some good players, you have some bad players, and this camp is loaded with players who could have NHL potential at some point. So it wasn't going to be an easy thing for Nyes to come in and dominate. And he again he did like you said too. So I, I I'm not trying to harp on the guy. He he's really good. He's he's going to be really good. Again though, I, I, I do think that people need to put the pause button on their expectations a little bit and just wait and see what he has when he gets to the NHL because I, I don't want him to get to the NHL and people are all like, oh, this guy isn't what he is. He's trash. Why do we have him here? He, There's no point in having him here. It's it's not that. And it's, it's all because of the expectations. And again, we got to just lower the expectations until he comes. And if that happens, then it'll all be okay. But Leaf fans, as we all know, don't do that so (laughs) yeah it's it'll be fun it's going to be fun to see especially when he gets to the NHL level because he's a great guy he really loves Toronto it's sort of I thought it was sort of like Austin Matthews when Austin Matthews was asked about playing in Toronto a big smile came on his face and and the same came with Matthew Nyes and even though he hasn't played in Toronto he still really wants to be there and I'm interested to see what happens when he leaves school
2: well, on the topic of lowering expectations or lowered expectations, uh talking about some of the Leafs goaltending, you know, maybe not the the immediate future looking forward to next season, but some of the guys that they had in camp here, I think the the one that stands out to everybody is a recent fourth round pick, Dennis Hildeby, and I I know it raised a lot of eyebrows when not only did they trade up and, and target him in the fourth round, they didn't waste any time signing him to a contract. So I was just wondering what you saw from him in camp and what you kind of think of how the organization views him
1: moving forward. Yeah, one of the difficult things about the camp was the fact that the goaltending was on a totally different um, rink. So that at at times, usually, I think the first three or four days uh, away from the scrimmages, they had a group well, two groups practicing on different pads, and then they had the goaltenders on another pad. It was really difficult to really um, find out a lot about the goaltending just because the only time you can really watch and see what they're doing is in scrimmages because, uh, to me, I, I don't think you can really find how goaltenders tender, goal move um, through drills. So that was one thing. In the scrimmages, though, he he looked really good. A lot of the goalies looked really good. I, I think there was maybe one or two that didn't look good. Um, but Hildeby in particular, like he's such a big guy, especially when um, when when he walked up to the media, he's a I, I, I believe I think he said he's six foot six and He's a big dude, and he can he can move, especially using his athleticism. Um, so that's an, an interesting thing. The other interesting thing, uh, like you said, Nick, was just how fast they signed him. And especially when he spoke with the media, he said he had two hip surgeries uh, last year. And I, I found that to be interesting, too, just in the sense that they signed him so quickly and it's just like, what What are we doing here? If he had two hip surgeries, maybe do you want to slow that down a little bit and maybe just see how he does with one more year in Sweden? But uh, they went out, they signed him. He looks like he could be a really good goalie if he's able to um, set aside those surgeries and play really well. I, I don't want it to be a thing where he gets injured again and – has to have more surgeries, sort of like Ian Scott did, That's a that would be a bad thing. But all of that aside, if he can take those surgeries and use them to be really good, if that makes sense, um, he he's going to be an interesting guy, especially in the next two or three years. But I, I think he'll have a good time in Sweden um, this season. And I think after that, I believe he'll have one more. He'll have this year in Sweden, and then I think after that he'll come to North America. That's just me spitballing, but it sort of made it seem like that um, when he spoke with the media. But he's really good, again. Big, tall, really tall. Uh, I think he's the tallest player in the Leafs organization as a goaltender. He's, I believe he's taller than Keith Petruzzelli as well. So... He's a big guy. He can move. He's he's always square to the puck, which is always good, and he doesn't have to rely on the athleticism a lot. Um, but this is similar to Petruzzelli, when he needs to use the athleticism, he will. So a very interesting goaltender, um, but a lot of people are high on him. So I'm excited to see what happens in this next year in Sweden, too.
0: So... Uh- Wanted to talk briefly about a guy who's part of the, the the prospect pool but wasn't actually at development camp. Nick, you had a tweet. Uh, Nick Richard I'm talking to now. I, gotta, <laughs> I, don't know, I need to have some kind of an audio cue that I associate with it so you know who I'm addressing. Um, you had a tweet about uh, Nick Robertson, who we're going to add another Nick into the mix here. Um, you, you just tweeted out his his goals, like a supercut of his goals from from last year. Obviously, it was an abbreviated season with the Marlies, but um, I gotta say, it got me a little excited for what uh, he might be able to do. And you know, as as things kind of continue deeper into the off season here, and and the questions persist about what's going to happen on that second line left wing. Um, I don't know. I, I wonder. Uh, I wonder what you guys think are the chances that he can maybe step in and, and take that role.
2: Yeah, I think there's still a lot of reason to be excited about Robertson, uh, and you know, just watching those clips, and there weren't a lot of cheapies in there. A lot of it was just pure goal scorer stuff, whether it be unleashing a shot, uh, cutting into the middle, or just finding that open space around the net to make himself open for a pass that he doesn't need a whole lot of time to convert on. So I think that those are the kind of things that translate to the next level. It's all the other things for him uh, in order to create those opportunities and put himself into those positions that is still a work in progress. But I think the biggest thing with him, and I know some people were down on him after last season and his audition with the Leafs, I know he got a little bit of time up the lineup playing with Tavares and Elander, but for the most part, he was really kind of sequestered down uh, in the bottom six and and didn't really receive a lot of those offensive opportunities. So I think it's time with Robertson to really see what he's capable of. I I expect that he's going to be given a long leash uh, out of camp, uh, playing some prominent minutes. And that's really, you know, it seems like the way to go with a, a player who, at 20 years old, scored at over a 40-goal pace in the American Hockey League. Uh, we all know that there's some moves to come with the Leafs roster, just looking at their salary cap situation. So there might be a forward such as Alex Kerfoot, who manned that left-wing spot a lot last year. He could be on the way out. Uh, I think there's going to be opportunity for Robertson, and I fully expect him to be able to take advantage of it.
1: I will agree. Um, I, I One of the things I was just thinking about when you are talking about it is, I, I I think of Robertson, and I think, okay, he he would be really good on in maybe a third-line role, and then I thought that is now a defensive line, so that's thrown out the window. He put him on the fourth line. He's not going to be good there because he he's going to be good with good NHL players, so fourth line's out. The second line I really like, especially with John Tavares and William Nylander, and then I thought, why don't maybe you try and put him with Matthews and Marner? I... That's an interesting one, too, because Marner is very good at setting players up, and if you have two guys like Matthews and Robertson who can finish goal and score goals, I think that's an interesting one. I, I do like him in the top six, though. He he really wants to be in the NHL, covering him last season a number of times. You'd just ask him questions, and he'd be like, my goal is to get to the NHL, and I'm not stopping until I do. So he i think like you said nick he's gonna get a long leash he deserves a long leash because he's he he needs a longer look like it's not fair to him to have five games and if he doesn't score a goal in those five games be like that's it go back to the ahl and get your confidence up i think it's worth it for him to have 10 15 20 games just to see if there is something there And, and if it's If it's anything shorter than that, it's really not fair to the guy. He's been through a lot in the last year, two years, and I think he's shown enough last season in the AHL with his goal scoring and just finding ways to be open and get the puck and release it really fast. That was one of the things that he struggled with in his first AHL season was trying to be open. I remember watching him then, and he would – just beaver tail his stick on the ice at all times and he he wouldn't even be open and he still wanted the puck so I, I think that's one of the things he grew a lot in is finding the open space and being open for a pass and then a shot and I, I think um it's again he proved his ability at the AHL level I think it's it's worth it to give him a really long leash. And I would love to see him with Matthews and Marner. Even if people think it doesn't make sense, I think it does.
2: I think it makes perfect sense. Uh, You know, instead of saddling a rookie with the task of getting that Tavares and Nylander combination going, maybe you can slide bunting down and he can kind of play that retriever, Zach Hyman light kind of role. And, And you just give Robertson... The top line duty where he can just kind of buzz around and pick up what Matthews isn't there to finish, which, you know, admittedly won't be much, but. I think that's a good fit for him, uh, and with a little bit less pressure in terms of what would be expected out of him in uh, terms of driving the line
0: and, and having another real shooter on that line. It'd be a big help too in, in terms of creating a little bit more space for Matthews. Even uh, you know depth scoring that's that's going to be I think a, a pressing issue for the Leafs again this season. And, and you know that's certainly a guy who could, could contribute there. Like that that uh, clip that we're talking about that you tweeted out, Nick. Like the awful lot of goals in that that you look at and you say that's a goal in any. League, right? Like some high-end yeah. finishes there. So, yeah, excited to see what he can uh, what he can do in camp. And yeah, he, I mean, he could come out with a blazing camp and, and you know have a hot start and, and just really cement his role. And, and you know, I don't know that there, there are a lot of other guys who are going to be in camp who, who have kind of the ability to do that. So I'm I'm excited to see what he's got.
2: Yeah, I think that, uh, among other guys that might be able to kind of push for a secondary scoring role, albeit not to the same extent as Robertson. I think you've got to look at uh, a guy like Alex Steves is probably next in line for that slot uh, i know he had a really strong rookie season with the Marilies. I, I thought he was really effective whenever i watched them last year uh what did you make of alex steves in his first season
1: i i remember at the beginning he one of the things because he was injured for the little first i believe the first i don't know if it was a month or a few weeks anyways i we interviewed him and he was like i want to i want to dominate in the ahl and he literally came off an injury in his rookie season and dominated and didn't look back he he was good i i think in every single game there might have been a few games where he he really seemed to be not there but he nonetheless looked really good and I think, especially getting to go up with the Leafs and at least have some experience getting into a game, he knows what it's like now. He knows what he has to do. I think he's going to be an interesting one as well to be probably a depth guy. I'd love to see him on the fourth line or at least the third line he's got the speed he's got the shot um he has some toughness too he's he actually i don't know if you know if you guys saw him drop the gloves last season but he did that um so he, he always use more of that he, yeah exactly so he's he's a very complete player he's he's a very good guy that would fit in really well with that team and it, it, even if he doesn't make it out of camp He'd still be great if there's an injury. I think think he's going to be very good. He's
2: probably next in line after Robertson in terms of those injury call-ups if you're looking for a scoring winger, would you say?
1: Oh, yeah, 100%. I think unless we're forgetting somebody, Joey Anderson is in that conversation, but he's not really much. He's not a goal scorer like those two guys are. Um, yeah, he had
2: he had big yeah. numbers with the Marlies last year, but I think that's more of a, a product of him just being a really experienced AHL player and kind of capitalizing on the opportunity as a top line guy. I, I think at the NHL level, he's more of a an energy two way kind of yeah. player than a pure goal scorer. You know, compared to a guy like Robertson or even Steve's.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. He was. I remember Anderson being. He's on top power play most of the time or all of the time. He 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 scored a lot of his goals being in front of the net he was really good at that so that would be a good especially on the fourth line and maybe on the second power play unit he could be good in front of the net um but yeah no he's not he's not a goal scorer like steves or robertson so i think i think those two guys would be in the front to be front runners for a goal scoring gig and then I don't know. I feel like I'm missing somebody, but I don't think I am after that. Who would be good? All
0: right. So just to kind of uh, cap off our... Uh, chat about the system here. Some news that uh, came out earlier today, being Wednesday. Uh, Rodion Amirov, of course, you know we're following. You know what's happening with with him with great interest, and, and obviously sending him all all the best. Um, news coming out today that his loan has been extended with uh, Salavat in the uh KHL so he'll remain with the club for next season and you know if he gets to the point where he's cleared to play that's that's where he will play but uh, he's just going to continue his uh his treatment and his recovery and um I mean, that's that says it's
2: going great. though. Yeah,
0: that's as good of news as, as as I suppose you can uh, you can hope for right now. And, and, you know, at least for the moment, um, he, he's going to try to forge ahead with, with his hockey career and and, uh, and you know, continue to train and, and all that. So, again, just, you know, we, it feels like we say it every episode, but just continuing to uh, to send him all the all the good vibes. And, um, yeah, good, good news to hear. Certainly um, uh, today, I think. Well, before we wrap up, uh, while we've got you here, Nick, um, not really a whole lot else going on with the Leafs. And we've kind of given our thoughts on the last few podcasts, but uh, figured we'd ask you about kind of the only uh, outstanding piece of business right now, which is uh, Rasmus Sandin. What uh, what do you think about the situation there? And I guess, what would you like to, to see happen with, with Sandin? A, a Contract a, a trade, short term, long term. What are you, What are your thoughts right now?
1: Um, very good question. Uh, it's so difficult because you look at his point of view and you sort of understand that there's no place for him to play right now, especially on the Leafs. So it's like I don't, I don't want to trade him. I I think I think the Leafs would be better off trading. A guy like Jake Muzzin. I doubt that happens because it hasn't happened at this point And there's been a lot of time for them to try and do that. It'll be interesting to see because obviously he'd be unhappy in the situation as it is right now. I, I, w- I wouldn't mind a trade, but that's not the route I would want to go down again because he's younger too, right? So he has a lot in him still. So it, it's such a weird situation just in that sense and just the fact that a team could offer sheet him and if a team was smart they would offer sheet him and that that would be it but um i guess i'd say right now it's i I wouldn't want to trade him it would make sense to trade him a little bit but i'd rather much rather re-sign him
0: yeah yeah i think that's pretty much where i am too with it um like I, I wish that the Leafs could like trade him and, and then see what return they could get, and then restart the game without saving. And he's back on your team, and then you get to make the decision. You know, like I, like I'm really intrigued by what you could get for him. But man, I really don't want, uh, I don't want to see him continue to develop elsewhere and, and becoming into a stud, right? Yeah.
2: Well, and the offer sheet threat, uh, you know, it raises an interesting question because if you look at the compensation for the offer sheets, anything under, I believe $4.1 million, the compensation is only a second round pick. So when you look at it through that lens, uh, that cap hit is a lot more than what the Leafs would be happy to pay or even able to fit under their cap limit right now. But on the other side of the coin, a second round pick is not worthy compensation for a player of Sandine's caliber. So they have to be pushing for a resolution before it gets to that point. And uh, I I think that it's going to ultimately result in a, a short-term deal, maybe even a one-year deal uh, that just gives Sandin another opportunity to kind of prove his worth over the course of the next season before he uh, goes for his payday once
1: again. And w- one of the things I did want to say quick was just his trade value too. Like you, you don't know how good he can be in the future and you could – Trade him right now for something that's not worth his value in two or three years. So I, I think that's a big risk too. Is finding a trade partner who would provide something that is going to be worth how good he can be in the next few years because he's going to be a top pairing guy. And if he somehow gets away, it's it's going to be tough on the Leafs to sit back and look at that in the next two or three years and think that that happened. So. I, I, I Now that I look at the trades, that part scares me. So maybe, maybe just let him get signed by Toronto. Or maybe, I'm thinking about this right now and I think it's a bad idea, but I feel like an offer sheet, him going away on an offer sheet, rather than a trade that seemed to be botched two or three years down the road, it would make me feel better, but... Like Nick said, I I, I think a one year deal would be the best thing for him to come in and prove it. I just hope he plays with the Leafs if he does get signed because it's not really fair to him. But even with the other players, it wouldn't be fair to them to sit out. So it, it's a di- it's such a difficult situation, and I hate it.
0: Yeah, that's I think that's a good way to sum it up, there, Nick. Uh, I hate it, and I want it to be done. <laughs> um. All right. Well, we're going to pretty much wrap it up there. Just one more transaction that I uh, wanted to, to make a note of, not not really concerning the Leafs so much, but uh, the Toronto Marlies have signed Logan Shaw to a three-year deal. Um, so an AHL deal for one of Cape Breton's own, played for the Cape Breton Tradesmen, drafted by the, the Screaming Eagles when they were still the Screaming Eagles before they dropped the Screaming part. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, Nick, I, I don't know if you got to see Logan Shaw at all growing up, uh, but uh, I, I remember like he was considered like an overdraft into the queue a little bit. Like the, the Eagles kind of jumped up and took him. He's a Cape Breton boy. I just looked at the 2008 Quebec League draft though, and I, I can't really say that there was. Uh, there was a, too much of an overdraft going on there. You know, he, he was solid. But the numbers were never really there. Like, he, but, you know, big guy, made it to the NHL. Cape Breton boy. Carved himself out a, a nice pro career. Yeah. I always think when, when, you know, these East Coast guys sign with the Marlies, I'm like, mm, growlers, growlers fodder. But uh, I don't think that's going to happen with him. His numbers have been too good in the AHL and he's 29. I don't think that I feel like, you know, you're signing there because you like the Marlies. You know, program and you're hoping to springboard it rather than, you know, going back to play at home after you, have you know, which you did from ages, what, like 15 to uh, 20 or whatever. So, <laughs> <laughs> but something for the East Coasters there. Nick Barden, uh, appreciate the the time, my man. Uh, filling us in on the, uh, the development camp, um, we learned lots. And uh, thanks for thanks for doing it.
1: I appreciate it. Uh, I did want to say one thing, Max Ellis. I forgot him as one of the players that stood out. So don't sleep on Max Ellis when he gets to the NHL one day because he's going to be good, especially if it's on the Leafs.
0: There you go. I think I think he was number twenty on the uh, the Leafs Nation's uh, prospect rankings. It's it's officially prospect ranking season. So you know that that what point of the offseason. Season we're in when that starts, but uh, I don't know if either of you guys are writing anything for that. But a little plug there for the uh, the Leafs Nations Prospect Series. So
2: we very much are. That I, there, I figured uh, as much. That, number twenty, Max Ellis kicked off our countdown, started by uh, our colleague and good friend Kyle Cushman. And uh, Nick has already dove in with William Villeneuve. I've got one coming out uh, tomorrow. So there'll be plenty of prospect content coming at TLN from myself, Nick Barden, uh, Kyle Cushman, and John Steitzer as well.
0: All right. Good way to end it. Thank you, Nick. Thank you. Cheers.